Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Review. With your hosts, Simon Jones and Wayne Bolt. Hello! Hello! And welcome to Simon and Wayne's Spiffing Review. With me, Simon Jones. And me, Wayne Bolt. This week we are going to be talking about the BAFTAs, which is the British equivalent of the Oscars, and we'll also be reviewing The Hurt Locker, which of course won the Best Film Award at the BAFTAs. Oh, don't give it away. Oh, sorry. Um, And we'll also be taking a a quick trip to the trailer park again to see what's uh, in store for movie lovers out there. Gems are waiting for you up ahead. Okay, so first of all, shall we uh, crack on with the BAFTAs, Simon? Yes, let's. Um, So yes, the British awards have been going for years and years and years, but have only recently actually taken on any kind of significance, mainly because they moved the actual show from after the Oscars to before the Oscars because they finally realised that if you put an award show on after the Oscars nobody cares because the Oscars is the big yeah. one because the BAFTAs are pretty much two sets of awards you've got the film side of it and you've got the television side and, then, and I can't remember if it used to be all one big show or not but certainly um, since they've moved it before the Oscars the film part at least anyway um, yeah it, as Simon says it does have it's more of a, a tease for the Oscars really yeah and it feels more like a, more of an international show even though it's still got this kind of British focus I guess what did you think of the actual show itself well it's just an award show isn't it, it, it not usually that exciting mm, unless um, you've got Robert Rankin presenting yeah he's at, well as we said he should be doing the Oscars yes. and the BAFTAs and everything this is the guy that presented the SFX awards uh, which you might have heard about in our podcast last week he's got a slightly unorthodox presenting style which we think would probably help with a lot of these rather or stuffy just and, an unorthodox style in general <laughs> yeah yeah. because yeah. a lot of these shows take themselves so seriously and there's something strange about people in an industry basically congratulating themselves on how wonderful they are but anyway yeah, well, overall, let's say the show was all right, isn't the war show? Jonathan Ross, unfortunately, some of his jokes fell a bit flat. Bit off his game. Well, I say some of his jokes. I mean, pretty much all, all his of jokes. Them. I think there was one good one, but I've forgotten it. Yeah, so it wasn't that good. It, once he just scrapped the uh, joking around, he actually it was actually on form as a presenter again. Yeah, well, it didn't um, linger too much, which was good because that's something that the Academy Awards in the US quite often get horrifically wrong, which is just goes on for hours and hours and hours. Whereas BAFTA seemed pretty snappy and didn't sort of hang around like a bad smell. Okay, so let's take a, a leaf out of their book and get on with talking about the BAFTAs themselves, and shall we? Good idea, Wayne. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to just go through the categories just in the order that they're printed on uh, on my uh, running order. So we've got a running order now. You see? Yeah, we're, we're very organised. Getting that pro. Um, the first one I've got is Best Film. Uh, nominated in this category were Avatar, An Education, The Hurt's Locker, Precious, and Up in the Air. Yes, and of course, Hurt Locker is the one that won. Um, As with pretty much every film award this year, it seems to be this battle between Avatar and Hurt Locker. Mm. Bigelow versus Cameron. Yes, who of course, blah, 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 we used to be married, do we really care? Not particularly, it's not relevant. Um, But it's a bit weird that those are the two films that have ended up being the sort of front runners, uh, particularly Avatar, because while I really love Avatar, and I really enjoyed it, um, unlike a lot of people, uh, it's quite clearly an incredibly flawed film. Um, and I would never think of trying to put it forward as like a you know a high market filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Well, the filmmaking is astonishing, but it falls down in too many areas to be yeah. considered best film of the year. Oh, as you're saying, when we reviewed Avatar, uh, you need two or three components of a um, plot, setting, characterization, mm. um, and yeah, just Avatar just didn't have it. No, it's just too weak in too many. Even though it's 
astounding in a lot of areas. It's too weak in other areas to, for the complete package. Uh, but yet, everyone is, is basically Avatar versus Hurt Locker everywhere you go, which yeah. is a bit of a shame because the other nominees in these best film categories... They're not getting a look in. No, and I imagine you know they're much more deserving of praise in an overall sense. I mean, sure, give all the technical stuff to Avatar if you yeah. want. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. So, do you think it was Hurt Locker? Which one do you think was deserving of the best film? Uh, well, I've not seen all the nominees, so I can't say for sure. Uh, but I certainly think it was more deserving than Avatar. But yes. I'll get into more detail on the Hurt Locker later, later on in the show. Okay. Right, that brings us on to our next category of Outstanding British Film, which included an education, fish tank, in the loop, moon, and nowhere boy. Uh, it was won by Fish Tank. Have you heard of Fish Tank? I've heard of it, but I never got around to seeing it. Right, I was unaware of it entirely. Was it one of those films that came out for about half an hour in one cinema somewhere yeah. in the country? Oh, a bit like Moon. Yeah, that um, is true. We, we were lucky that Moon came out up here. Yeah, that was a struggle to see as well, which yeah. unfortunately seems to be the way with British films. Um, although Moon does seem to have got out there it's, a bit it's getting more. there, yeah. Um, I think it's probably going to be a long... People like us are pushing it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a long runner on DVD, yeah. I think, and stuff like that. Um, I'm just quite excited to see Moon nominated for stuff to be honest because the Oscars have completely dropped the ball and failed in that regard and don't seem to have recognised it anywhere yeah but I'm just thinking though that, that Moon is very much a British sci-fi kind of film it's very much reminiscent of Space 1999 and is it going to miss the it hasn't quite got that American style and approach to science fiction yeah it's maybe Other too than, of course you had um, Silent Running which is the nearest thing I can think of an American well, sci-fi film you look back to, to the 60s and 70s in American sci-fi and they did have stuff that was very much in that kind of vein but since then well since Star Wars uh, everything's gone down the kind of flashbang exciting stuff which I've got no problem with because I love that as well uh, but what was so great about Moon is it was kind of this throwback to the old style and yeah. had more in common with like sci-fi short stories, um, exploring ideas rather than exploring yeah. explosions. So anyway. yeah, cool to see anyway. it nominated, but yeah. shame it didn't win. Yeah, but there again, maybe Fish Tank is much better than it, and we just haven't seen it. Yeah, we probably shouldn't just dismiss it like that, yeah. should we? Okay. Okay. Right. Next director. Uh, this uh, had the following nominees: Catherine Bigelow for The Hurt Locker, Neil Blomkamp for District Nine. James Cameron for Avatar, Lone Schurfrig for An Education. Nicely said. Thank you. And Quentin Tarantino for Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, I was quite surprised how many times they said bastards in the show. Oh, I'm not. I'm, I'm, Any time you can say bastards quite legitimately, which is in itself is quite ironic for yeah. bastards. I, I think it's possibly the main reason Tarantino made the film, just I'm so insane. he'd force lots and lots yes. of people. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Catherine Bigelow won this for The Hurt Locker. Yes. Um, Knockaging. Uh, James Cameron uh, off his kingly perch. position mm. uh, and again it's the Cameron versus Bigelow yeah. thing which everyone seems interested in except Catherine Bigelow and James Cameron well I was reading that James Cameron allegedly encouraged Catherine Bigelow to make and direct the Hurt Locker so really? I'm, I'm a bit glad of that decision now well, it's interesting because she has always been sort of his protege like going back a while because he kind of helped bring her into yeah. stuff and he produced Strange Days I think back in the 90s which was quite a unique little action movie yeah. but what was cool about The Hurt Locker um, which we'll come to later again but it's that it's quite a departure from what you kind of think of as being a Catherine Bigelow film because you think of Point Break and you think of Strange Days and they've always got this kind of heightened actiony slightly camp ridiculousness to them um, and the Hurt Locker obviously is a complete departure from that so it's nice to see her being recognised for probably the right film because quite often with good directors 
the like the Academy or the BAFTAs completely overlook what should be their masterpiece, and then years later they go, "Oh crap, we probably should have given them that award for that." So let's give it to them for this yeah. lesser film just to kind of make up for it. Yeah, which kind of you know happens with a lot oh, of them. Yeah, it does tend to quite a lot. Anyway, let's move swiftly on now to best actor. Um, so we have nominated here Jeff Bridges for his role in Crazy Heart, George Clooney for Up in the Air, Colin Firth who won it um, for his a single man performance Jeremy Renner for The Hurt Locker and Andy Serkis for Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll yeah I'm disappointed to not see Chateau Copley in from District 9 yeah in any of these acting awards because his performance in that was pretty raw and unexpected and I think a lot of it was improvised and he's not a known actor he's come kind of out of nowhere to really hold that film together because it's kind of a one man show um, certainly until the, the CG alien guy comes in who's also brilliant but most of it is just Shalto the whole film carrying it and yeah. it's, uh, I think it's probably a much more interesting and yeah, not, unique performance not even to get a nomination is a bit, is a bit poor but yeah. there we go um, well we better quickly crack on with these um, best actress um, so this is won by Kerry Mulligan um, from Doctor Who yes thing. she is excellent yeah. uh, it, uh, for her portrayal in An Education uh, she was up against Sayuri Ronan nice for the lovely bones Gabori Sidley you're having trouble here aren't you Precious Meryl Streep in hey. Julie and Julia and Audrey Tutu um, from Coco Before Chanel yeah again something we've not really seen any of these have we signed no not really let's oh, just okay. blag it okay um, something I'm a bit disappointed with um, in the actress was well, that Charlotte Copley wasn't nominated <laughs> yeah he should be nominated in every acting category but no but along similar kind of lines is uh, Zoe Saldana from Avatar actually uh, because her performance in that I thought was really good and like with a lot of James Cameron films the female characters are the ones that seem to be drawn the best and what's fascinating about her performance is the way it was done but unfortunately I think because of the way it was done a lot of people that vote for the acting categories don't actually realise there's some acting involved they just think it's an animator somewhere fiddling around with the computer Um, so I think in years to come once the techniques in Avatar have been used on lots of other films of you know varying genres people are going to look back on not only Zoe's work in Avatar but also Andy Serkis' stuff as Gollum and King Kong and go oh hang on these are the guys that actually defined it and perfected it and then you know lots of stuff and also did a lot of the acting as well with the CGI being put on top of what they were doing because a lot of motion capture stuff was Mm -hmm. involved so exactly it's not just a case of animation is it it's um, capturing and uh, and you've got to add a certain um, invest a certain part of yourself into most performances you do so yeah I think at some point uh, a film like Avatar in terms of the way it's captured the performance will get a best actor yeah. or actress Some, nomination and that'll be a nice watershed moment then. okay so we better swiftly move on we've got a fair few of these to go through yep. so supporting actor um, this had Alec Baldwin for It's Complicated Christian McKay for Me and Orson Welles Alfred Molina for An Education Stanley Tucci um, I'm guessing that's how you pronounce that uh, for The Lovely Bones and Christoph Waltz for Inglorious Bastards now Christoph Waltz won this here and deservedly so have you not seen the film have you no, no I, I saw it last year and um, it, it was really very good in it it's just something as well with um, Inglorious Bastards uh, but Tarantino could have had a good shout for Best Director because some bits of it were really good but as an overall film didn't quite hang together but if you love Tarantino or you like Tarantino you would like this mm-hmm. film What's, but Christoph uh, Waltz very good yeah what was interesting is in his acceptance speech he was uh, he talked a lot about Tarantino and basically pointed out that without him he wouldn't 
be there. Yeah. And I think that's what's quite nice about Tarantino's casting in all his films, in that he always goes to these slightly unexpected actors, yeah. uh, whether it's an actor that, by Hollywood standards, has fallen from grace, like Travolta. John Travolta, or whether it's a foreign actor who you've never heard of before, and he kind of brings them in and like goes, Christoph. have a look at this person, this guy's brilliant. Because yeah. um, I was speaking to a, a Swiss friend who says that Christoph Waltz is you know, really big in Germany, and basically in everything he's in, he's brilliant. But over here, we have absolutely no idea. Yeah. Um, but hopefully this will you know, get a bigger awareness of his work. I hope so. So well done, Christoph. Okay, uh, supporting actress, we have Anne-Marie Duff uh, for Nowhere Boy, Vera Farmiga for Up in the Air, Anna Kendrick for Up in the Air, Monique uh, for Precious, and Christian Scott Thomas for Nowhere Boy. Well done, Monique. Hey! Okay, next, original screenplay. We have The Hangover, The Hurt Locker, Inglorious Bastards, A Serious Man, and Up. I think what's cool the about... The won this, by the way. Sorry, got there before you. Uh, what's cool about... Oh, um, and Monique won Precious. Did I say that? You did, yeah. Okay. Stop interrupting me. Sorry. Yeah, I'm trying to get a good point in here. Okay. Yeah, uh, what's quite nice about... I won't about... interrupt again. Okay, thanks. Yeah, with the BAFTAs, uh, they seem quite open to different genres. Which seems quite nice because in a lot of award shows, there's a sort of definite bias towards you know the really serious, weepy kind of like this is all about your life kind of films. But whereas the BAFTAs have really embraced uh, <clears throat> all sorts of stuff, whether it's animation or genre stuff, and and so again, I was pleased to see District Nine in here because you don't often get sci-fi stuff being recognised for its story merits and mm. that kind of stuff. Okay. Should we uh, skip forwards to the best animated film? Yeah, um, if I'll just go through some of the winners of the other ones. Uh, so we had Adapted Screenplay, which was won by Up in the Air. Um, film Not in the Foreign... Sorry, Film Not in the English Language was won by A Prophet. Animated Film. Uh, this only had three nominations in this category, which were Coraline, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and Up. <laughs> that was a bit of a strange... It was. I did try. Came out a bit screwed. I was trying to read and speak at the same time. Yeah. Quite hard. It's a pretty bit of a yeah. big challenge. Anyway, yeah, animated film. Simon, where was the nomination for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs? I know, this is a bit of a scandal. Not only for the BAFTAs, but for the Oscars as well. And pretty much every award show going, which seems to have completely ignored our favourite film of 2009, um, let alone our favourite animated film. Um, which isn't to say that the nominees in here aren't brilliant. You know, they're all really great films, but it's a shame that Cloudy's not in there because you look at these three films and they're very much the kind of uh, accepted, arty-type animated films because Pixar have managed to position themselves so that they've got this kind of massive mainstream appeal, but everyone really respects them. And then you've got Mr. Fox and uh, Coraline from kind of respected animators or unusual directors you wouldn't expect to be doing it. Um and Cloudy just seems to have got ignored because it's yeah, actually same. a kids' film yeah, and yeah. really good fun. But, it's, it's you know. really, uh, so I'm going to uh, uh, address the balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I'm going to award it the very first Spiffy. Spiffy, yeah. excellent. Yes, we'll make sure that the makers of Cloudy with Chance and Meatballs do get their Spiffy. Yes, it doesn't sound that pleasant actually. Well, we're waiting to see the trophy. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so yeah, so that was one by Up. Um, obviously, both Simon and myself are very. Biased towards Cloud of a Chance of Meatballs, we thought it was, should have been there, but you know, well done, up, I suppose. Okay, um, cinematography. Uh, this is one by The Hurt Locker. It was up against Avatar, District 9, and Glorious Bastards, and The Road. That is quite a high standard of competition in that category. Um, uh, to be honest, they're all pretty amazing looking, and picking between ones almost impossible because they have such varied looks that there's no way you can directly compare them, I don't think. So I don't really mind who wins. Okay. 
Just as well, really, because the awards were last week. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they didn't ask me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next category is costume design. Yeah. Um, this had Bright Star, Coco Before Chanel, and Education, The Single Man, A Single Man, rather, and The Young Victoria um, nominated for it. It was won by The Young Victoria. Now, you also wanted to talk about, at the same time, Makeup, makeup and, and hair. hair. Yeah, do you want to just read out those ones? Yeah. So this had Coco Before Chanel, and Education, The Imaginarium of Dr. Panassus. Nine and Vignon Victoria, which one? Yeah. What's interesting about these categories is it almost always goes to period dramas for a start. Um, but what I'm wondering, again, sort of coming back to what I was saying earlier about uh, the kind of performance capture acting that's been going on for the last few years but hasn't really been actually acknowledged as going, acting. Yeah. Uh, when you come down to films like Avatar, uh, obviously that's like an extreme example, but that's, you know it's the most recent and the most applicable when you're creating the characters in Avatar you do have people taking care of their look of their faces and dealing with their hair and their costumes and you know designing it all and in terms of the design it's pretty much the same as doing it for real and then you have other people that implement it and even though the technique is going to be different you know you still got someone who is responsible for Natiri's hair in Avatar for example um, so at what point do we have to start splitting the kind of special effects down into other categories uh, because now that we're getting this kind of very real actorly type stuff coming out of CG it's not just a special effect anymore it's an actual character who is wearing clothes and has hair and has makeup and all this kind of stuff how, how do you deal with that in an award show it's a tricky one you have to do it in a virtual environment yes that would be it yeah. so yeah, I don't know what the answer is but at some point that's going to be a, a, a question yeah. to be answered by, by these academies Okay, uh, next we have the category of editing. Uh, nominated in here was Avatar, District 9, The Hurt Locker, which won Inglorious Bastards and Up in the Air. Yeah, well, I'm happy with Hurt Locker getting that. Yeah. Because um, it, it was potentially a very slow film, which instead was extremely tense and engrossing. Yeah, which uh, we'll, we'll talk about later. Yeah, and editing played a large part yeah. of that. Okay, right, so the next category is music. Uh, nominated for this was Avatar, Crazy Heart, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Sex and Drugs and Rock and Roll, and Up. Yeah. Firstly, I'm disappointed that Star Trek wasn't on there, because I thought Michael Giacchino did a really cool Star Trek score that was kind of new, but at the same time felt like the old stuff, and that was quite nifty. So it's a shame not to see that in there. Um, And it's also a shame, in a way, to see Avatar in there, because that felt like a really generic score to me and it was like the best hits well, of James Horner and let's do some tribal stuff and now let's yeah, do some epic I say, stuff it could, and, just, could have just been a soundtrack picked off a National Geographic documentary yeah it was kind of like uh, it felt like the temp score for when they were editing it which had been taken from other films and mm. then they sort of forgot to yep. take it off okay you, know, you better crack on with a few of these we've got some more stuff to do yet so that was music next uh, production design so this is one by Avatar but also nominated was District 9 Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, The Imaginarium of Dr. Panassus, and Inglorious Bastards. Yep, fair enough. I think, uh, what's interesting about Harry Potter, because I seem to recall with the Lord of the Rings films that they were excluded from some categories because they were sequels, and sort of... Or was it a case they were just waiting to give them one big award at the end to give everyone else a bit of a a a look in? Maybe, but there's always that question, like with the Harry Potter one, so much of the production design of that film has been worked out over the past six Harry Potter films... It's difficult to know where to start judging that one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Right, next. The award for sound. Nominated for this category, Avatar, District 9, The Hurt Locker, Star Trek, and Up. This is won by The Hurt Locker. Yeah. Um, I think Avatar would have been a worthy winner here, given that they had a completely fictional world in which they had to populate it. 
Um, and obviously, things like up and animated films yeah. have that as well. But with Avatar, they had to do that whilst making it seem like a real place, which is kind of an extra challenge, I suppose. Okay. Uh, but having said that, Hurt Locker, great sound. Yeah. Well, I think they all had good sound. I could hear what was going on, which yes. is good. <laughs> Does it for you. Yeah. <laughs> okay, next, visual effects. Uh-huh. This is won by Avatar, uh, also nominated with District 9, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, The Hurt Locker, and Star Trek. Yeah, again, a ridiculously high standard this year. Um, I feel a bit sorry for the other films because they could all, they're all the sort of films that could win if Avatar hadn't come out this year. Um, but yeah, but on the flip side, it was a good year for us visual effects fans. Yes, exactly. Um, I thought it was a shame Watchmen wasn't in there because that had some great stuff. Well, in it. yeah, but that seems to have just got lost, doesn't it? No, that would have been nominated in last year's batch of stuff. Would it have? Even in, in the UK? Yeah. Yeah, because they go this way now. Because uh, the films that come out at the start of the year. Or just about creep in. Yeah, we might have to double check that. Okay. But because uh, I don't recall it's not it. been in any of the categories. No, I don't recall it being in any categories last year either. So, okay. Somewhere along the line, Watchmen's been lost. Yeah, they? which is a bit um, of a shame. So, actually, I thought it was interesting that Hurt Locker was in here because the visual effects category these days tends to go for the big CG stuff, and Hurt Locker, while I'm sure it has a fair bit of CG in it, uh, has a lot of practical effects, and it was nice to see that being recognised. Yeah. Okay, we better crack through these a little bit. Um, next was short animation this is one by Mother of Many uh, up against The Happy Duckling and The Gruffalo not seen any of those but I'm sure it's very good okay right <laughs> next is short film this had 14 I Do Air Jade Mixtape and Off Season it was on by I Do Air once again not seen any of them yeah, so if well only done, short I films were shown in front of uh, films at the cinema well like used to in the old days yeah then we might have a chance of seeing some of these films which yeah. would be great Okay, um, uh, uh, probably one of uh, a favourite award of mine here now coming, which is the outstanding debut by a British writer, director, or producer. This had Lucy Bailey, Andrew Thompson, Elizabeth Morgan, Hemlock, David Pearson, who were directors, stroke producers of Mugabe and the White African. Also, we had Erin Creevy, the writer, stroke director of Shifty, Stuart Hazeldean, writer, stroke director of Exam, Duncan Jones, director of Moon. And Sam Taylor Wood, director of Nowhere Boy. And it was won by Duncan Jones, which I'm very pleased with. Woo-hoo. And yeah. Duncan will be receiving the very second spiffy we <laughs> ever give out. Yeah, well, just he, being he should be on great it at making we, movies. We use the Gertie scale all the time, you know. So, yeah. yeah so. So, that's, that's the best award you can get, I think. So, so well done, Duncan. And well done, BAFTA, for recognising Duncan Jones. Yeah, and what a nice guy. Yeah. He seemed yeah. really pleasant. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, uh, then, only three more to get through. Uh, Orange Rising Star Award. Um, this was um, a won joke. by Kristen Stewart, who was also up against Taha Rahim, Kerry Mulligan, Nicholas Holt, and Jesse Eisenberg. Yeah, this award confused me slightly because Kristen Stewart's been around for donkey's years, and her first big breakout film was a David Fincher movie starring um, Jodie Foster, which yep. you know is quite a big debut, really. So I don't, I didn't really get her getting that award now, um, especially as in the Twilight films, she's not very good. Um, I think she's quite a good actress because in Panic Room she's great when she was a kid and I'm sure she'll go on to do some good stuff but the Twilight films they're not that great and the acting's not that great but they've been seen by lots of people so let's give her an award this seemed a bit I think pointless wasn't this one voted for by the public though? No? Uh, that'll explain it they don't know anything no yeah alright so the penultimate award we'll be looking at is Outstanding Contribution to British Cinema which was won by Joe Dunton good old Joe well done Joe nice one alright and finally the BAFTA Fellowship now, this is an award which is basically given to some British star who's nearly dead. Yeah. And this year it was won by Vanessa Redgrave, 
who is nearly dead. Is nearly dead, and um, I think has early onset. I'm not sure. Her acceptance <laughs> speech was a bit all over the show, and really, someone should have came along and given her a medication. But I'm saying that. Well done, Vanessa, for all the good work you've put in over the years. Yeah, I always feel like those awards are more about the Academy making themselves feel good about being nice. Yeah, because uh, you know these actors and actresses like Vanessa Redgrave, they've had their share of awards over the years. You know they don't need people to tell them how good they are because everyone knows they're great. Uh, so doing these extra bits at the end just seems seems a bit weird. But yeah, yeah. okay, right. So that's the Baftas. Um, I think so, uh, our our review of it just went on longer than the Baftas. I think so. Although actually, some of the acceptance speeches that was going on, it's <laughs> hard to beat. Um, so out of all those, it mainly came down to Hurt Locker versus Avatar. Yeah. How do you think this is going to play out in the Oscars? Well, it's an interesting one because I'd you know I'd much rather see Hurt Locker come in in front of Avatar, but the thing with Hollywood is that Avatar is its saviour. You know, it's like Avatar's the thing that's going to come in and save Hollywood because it can't be parted very easily because of the 3D. Uh, it gets them to sell tickets at inflated prices. It's made more than Titanic, which is just bonkers, and in this kind of economic climate at the moment they're like Avatar is everything to us yeah. so they're going to reward it for economic reasons rather than artistic reasons I think that's my cynical view I think that's what's going to happen I wouldn't be surprised if the Oscars go either best film or best director for the Hurt Locket and Avatar they might ultimately yeah, give one to each it's yeah. kind of like the, the convenient diplomatic way of getting yeah. around a problem like that isn't it yeah Okay, so now it's time to visit the trailer part. Hey! Now, regular listeners will be aware that this is where we go to the Apple trailer website and just pick the first five. Um, well, it got a bit complicated this week due to something going on with the crazies. Um, uh, the first five uh, trailers we see, and we'll just give you our thoughts on them. So first of all, as I just gave away, the crazies. So yeah. this is... Fear thy neighbour. Fear thy neighbour. <laughs> fear, fear thy navvy. Um, yes. Fear thy neighbour is the tagline. It basically seems to be zombie movie in disguise. Right. Or it's more like a crazy, everyone's going mad horror flick. I think I'd rather watch Evil Dead or something like that. Yeah, well, just, it just looked really dull and derivative and like we'd seen it. I mean, I think it is a remake of uh, an older film. Obviously, um, <laughs> not of a newer film not, yet no, to come out. Okay. Yeah, exactly, uh, but yeah, not interested. So yeah, sad face for me. Okay, and a, a sad face for me. It's got nothing to say about it. <laughs> so, so new listeners, just to let you know what that's all about. Um, as we mentioned earlier on, uh, with the Gerties, which we've taken from Moon, um, our way of rating these trailers is to give it either a happy face or a sad face or any other sort of face we can think of. Yes. Right next, a film called The Joneses. Yes. Nothing starring, to do with me. No, no, nor me. Obviously. Yeah. Uh, this is starring uh, David Duchovny and Demi Moore. Um, it looks like it's trying to be a comedy. I wasn't really what, sure. Is it? I, just, I, I don't know. What the hell was it? No, the impression I got was it's some sort of crazy comedy, and it's about um, advertisers who are living in the community and advertising stuff as they interact with people. Yeah, but the big twist is... They don't... No, hang on, there isn't a twist, is there? Well... That's it. No, the, the twist seemed to be that... They're living as a model family, but they don't actually love each other. And I'm guessing the twist is going to be they fall in love. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it, the whole way through, I was expecting like you know, this model family, except secretly they're murderers. Yeah. Or secretly like, they're aliens. Secretly or, they're yeah. advertisers. 
Yeah, it's just brilliant. I think really run out of ideas. It's like let's pick the kind of people on the planet it's, that you're least interested in spending time with. According to some of the text you get on the screen watching it, it's a zeitgeist film. Yeah, I've not heard of him as a producer or a director, so I don't really know what that's going to be about. There's, there's a lot of stuff about bankers yeah. who we don't yeah. like, so maybe but, it's about that. Um, just why? why? Why make this film? It doesn't appear to have any purpose at all other than to get Demi Moore and David Duchovny in the film together. Yeah, David Duchovny's not aged at all. No, maybe he was. Maybe during the filming of the X Files, he really was kidnapped by aliens and brought back as a clone. Who knows? Uh, that is the only anyway, uh, sad face to me for that one. Yes, just sad, just whatever. It's okay. odd. <laughs> so next, Simon, um, if you were in trouble and needed some sort of mercenary group to come to your help, who, who would you try to get hold of? Well, if I could find them, I would call the A Team. Yes, <laughs> and so would I. Uh, this trailer looks like a lot of fun. Uh, it's a, a crazy trailer for the A Team. Everyone should know what the A Team is. Uh, well, especially if you listen to this podcast, because you're probably about our sort of demographic. Well, the thing about the A-Team is that even if you weren't around in the 80s, it's so sort of all-pervasive that you st- I think even you know younger people know exactly what it yeah. is. I, undoubtedly, it's going to be a silly film. It's going to be over the top. None of it's going to make sense. Pretty much like the TV series. Yeah. And of all the trailers we're watching today, this is the, really the only one which made us both really laugh. Yeah. Um, it's also probably the it. cleverest of the trailers, because a lot of the trailers we saw today, like the, uh, the Joneses, you come away from it and you just don't know what the hell the film's trying to do. You don't know if it's going to be a comedy or um, telling you something about... You know, it, the trailers fail to show you what yeah. the film's about, whereas uh, the A-Team trailer did it perfectly. And using the narration that was on the TV show opening credits was a really clever yeah. move. And, yeah, it was clever, and it's got but, the iconic yeah. A-Team music and everything as well goes with it. So that's a smiley face on me. Yeah, I was, I was surprised because I had no interest in the A-Team because I was like, what's the point? Why are you trying to make them look like the old actors who are iconic? But no, it looked great. Happy face. Excellent. Okay, right. The penultimate trailer um, is a film called A Film With Me In It. Yeah, which is a bit confusing when you're doing a podcast. Yeah, it's not A Film With Me In It, but it is A Film With Me In It is the name. Um, I think this is an Irish movie, judging by the fact it's set in Ireland, and has Dylan Moran and Mark Doherty in it. I think it's past you, does it? (laughs) No. Um, Well, it looks to be, strangely, likeable. Yeah, um, um, it's a couple of accidental deaths in a house involving a chandelier and, and a light bulb uh, end up turning into some sort of like serial murder kind of yeah, thing with Dylan Moran just going a bit crazy. Uh, to start with, I wasn't really that keen on it, but by the end of the trailer, I was sort of thinking, actually, yeah, I'd quite like to see this film. Yeah, it depends. I think uh, it's quite an amusing concept, but whether it can stretch over a whole film, I'm not sure. It seems like something that would be quite funny in like a... TV sketch show or something. Okay, but you know, could 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 well do. It's yep. hard to tell, but yeah, amb- ambivalent face for me. Oh, I'm going to give it a, a smiley face because by the end of the trailer, I really wanted to watch it. Right, and lastly, we have a film called Carthic Calling Carthic. That's probably not how you pronounce it, but maybe it is. Um, so this looks like another Bollywood release, um, hot on the heels of My Name Is Khan. Yeah, I said My Name Is Khan. I thought. Did I say that enough for a weird accent? It sounded like I did. But my name is Khan. Uh, you could tell what was going on, and it seemed quite interesting to me. I'd give that a smiley face. Uh, Karthik calling Karthik. I just have no idea what's going on. Well, it looks like it's either going to be... Well, the basic premise, uh, there's this chap called Karthik who one day gets a call from somebody called Karthik, and we're sort of le- led to guess as to who it is. Is it a clone? Is it a time travel thing or something? I don't really know. And... It, personally, that trailer didn't really sell it to me. So no, because it, nothing about it appeared to be a genre film, and yet it's got this Carthic calling himself thing. So yeah, it could be some sort of 
psychological thing, but it, it is too vague in the trailer. Yeah. Uh, and it's also quite a shoddy trailer in terms yeah, of... Yeah, the sound quality was sound. awful, and that in itself really put yeah. me off. And the subtitling was bizarre, because um, it is foreign language film, which well, not a problem at all, but they subtitled all the English well, as well. Wasn't this film only just... Well, was this the one which was just out today? Or was that the uh, another one? Anyway, possibly. but it looks like the trailer was just rushed through, and uh, uh, yeah. it just doesn't look good. So that's a sad face on me. Yeah, sad face for me. The marketing department really failed the film, I think, yeah. on that front. Okay. Um, so that's it. That's all for the trailer part. Remember, if you want us to review any trailers in particular, next time we do one of these, um, drop us a, an email at simonandwayne at spiffingreview.com or follow us on Twitter at spiffingreview or even just visit the spiffingreview.com website to... Um, let us know what you'd like us to review or if you've got any other comments. And we'd like to thank uh, Neil Sedger for his comments last week. Thank you very much, Neil, from Norwich. It's very valuable. Yes. Okay, um, before we look at The Hurt Locker, there's just a couple of things I just wanted to mention. I'm very glad to see that Alice in Wonderland will be shown in UK cinemas now because it's yeah. actually something I like to go and see. If you're not aware of this, um, Odeon and Disney have been playing this ridiculous game where Disney wanted to bring the DVD out sooner than normal and Odeon was saying, well, if you do that, we're not going to show your film. And it was completely ludicrous because it's just big corporations pissing about with each yeah. other for no reason well, at all. Ultimately, the customer's losing out. But luckily, they come to an agreement, so um, British fans will be able to easily see that film, hopefully now. Okay, I also wanted to mention that um, The Lord of the Rings will be coming on Blu-ray on the 6th of the 4th of this year. However, it's only the theatrical releases which are being done on Blu-ray at the minute. There's there's a rumour that the extended versions will be released around the time that the Hobbit movie is released, so they can obviously try and cash in. So personally, I'd wait for the extended version to come out on Blu-ray. Yeah, I'm quite surprised they're doing that again, to be honest, because I kind of thought that the extended ones were, you know, the de facto the versions that you should watch now. Um, so I'm quite surprised that they're still doing this kind of theatrical and extended yeah, cut thing. Yeah, but Lucas has been in it for years with Star Wars and it has been proved that people who are into this sort of thing will buy things multiple formats again and again true. and again. And I suppose it's good and that, I'm one of them. It's good they give the choice, I suppose, because people always complain that with George Lucas, every time he brings out a new version of Star Wars, you can't get the old one anymore. So yeah. I guess yeah, there's, there's people that would want the theatrical ones. Yeah. But I'll be waiting. Okay, and just one more point. This is also to do with sort of Blu-ray things. I'd just like to say that it is well worth watching the ultimate cut of Watchmen. It's only available in the US and Canada, but you can get it imported. Um, yeah, and uh, it does work on PS3s. Yes, yeah, you can import it completely legally. It's not an issue yeah, or problem. Amazon.com or whatever yeah, else. Yeah, and Warner Bros. Uh, have so far at least a policy with their Blu-rays that they don't region encode them. So you can buy Warner Bros. Blu-rays from the states and play them anywhere else in the world without any problems, without any region issues or you know annoying irritations like that. And like Wayne says, it does work on PS3s and any other Blu-ray player. And it's, yeah, well worth watching, because whereas the theatrical cut was like 90% of the comic, this is kind of 95%. It's not, not it's quite... still not all there. It's not perfect, but really good, and it really fleshes everything out. You know, if, if you're a fan of the comic, you'll love it. If you haven't read the comic or aren't familiar with it, it kind of gives more context to everything that happens. Yeah, and I think as well, the fact it's it's the ultimate one with all the stuff in it, but it's also on Blu-ray means... Um, on, you know, or some Blu-ray, you can watch it in your home. It means you can pause it when you want to go to the Louvre, which makes it a much more comfortable mm. viewing experience. Or want to go get a drink, or get some food yeah. or something. There's a part of me that wishes they'd actually done an option of watching the film on an issue-by-issue kind of thing like the comic was broken down into issues because you know if you sit down and read the comic you probably read an issue then maybe read the other issue the next yeah. day and it'd be, it would have been cool to see the film broken up optionally in that way yep okay um, well we noticed that time's cracking on we spent quite a lot of time on the BAFTAs so we'd better um, look at the Hurt Locker yes yes this is uh, the 
big winning film from the BAFTAs, won Best Film, Best Director and lots of other technical categories. Um, obviously came out a little while back, especially in the US, but uh, we've only just got around to seeing it. So, But quite timely. So, Wayne, what did you think of The Hurt Locker? I thought it was, it was a very good film. I'll just set the scene a bit for the listeners who may not have seen it. Yep. Um, the film set in the early months of the post-invasion period in Iraq, and it follows three bomb disposal experts, as we'd call them over here, um, following the unfortunate demise of their original team leader, played by Guy Pearce, who, of course, rose to fame in Neighbours. Um, you did slightly spoil the start of the film there. Well, but everyone knows. Everyone knows I didn't all, know. All, all, most people know that. It's been out for months. So they spent like loads of money casting a really big actor. So you think, oh, he's going to be in the film. And, and then you know, they kill him off in like five minutes. But, you know, you just ruined that for everyone. What are you going to say? Tough. Okay. Do you want me to carry on? Yeah, go on. Okay. Um, so Guy Pearce's character, who may or may not be dead... Yeah, maybe. Uh, is, you never know. Let's not give it away. Okay. Uh, is then replaced by Sergeant First Class William James, who is played by Jeremy Renner. Uh, he's a bit of a, a bit of a fruit loop. I don't want to say too much more, no, I'll give it away. Yeah. Anyway, the rest of the film is following these three bomb disposal experts um, going around Baghdad and places dealing with unexploded bombs and the various issues that come from there. Yeah, which is a surprising number of issues. The film does a job of exploring pretty much every possible way you can uh, set up a bomb to kill the most people possible, uh, which was quite an eye-opener for me because obviously you're aware of certain things that get on the news a lot, but there's a lot more devious manners in which these things can be set up, which is very sad, but it made for an interesting film. Um, Yeah, I mean, what holds the film together, I think, is the, the core three actors You've got Jeremy Renner playing this this kind of wild man character that comes in from the outside yeah. and sort of turns everything upside down a little is it bit. Like, like an adrenaline junkie, isn't yeah, it, I suppose. Yeah, and doesn't quite Does play that by spoil the rules. It for people? No, that's no, right. Okay. I let you off on that one. Um, and then you've got Anthony Mackie and Brian Geraghty. Yeah, Geraghty playing the other two who are you know been there for longer. Yeah, um, kind of know the thing how it all works. Yeah. They go by the rules. Yeah, and they're they're more the support staff. Not so much the blurry uppy people. Yeah, um, and it's their their interactions between these three guys uh, in this incredibly ridiculously dangerous war scenario for the whole film, um, and the film really successfully creates this atmosphere of constant tension. There's like these little interludes when they're back at base where you sort of relax, and then the moment they're back in the Humvee and going out to some mission. Well, I think it's important to have those relaxing bits because even as an audience member, you need to be able just now and again just to. Just yeah. to relax whilst you're watching the film. Mm-hmm. It was that tension all the way through. Yeah, and I, I, and here we are, um, sort of just complaining about oh, it's very tense, and we're in a, a nice, comfortable living room, um, and not actually in Baghdad. So, it's just, one of the things with the film is it sort of gives you a, a bit of an idea as to um, what it must be like. Just even just seeing a snapshot of it, obviously, yeah. you can't imagine what it really is like to be out there. But yeah. this film goes at least part of the way, giving you a bit of an insight. Definitely, I think. Uh, it's interesting because it's a side of warfare that we I've not really seen on film before. You've seen countless World War Two movies and Vietnam movies where it's very much focusing on the infantry doing the fighting and it's kind of front line stuff and that kind of thing. Uh, but to get this kind of post-fight trying to deal with the aftermath of a battle yeah. and what on earth do you do with when you've got like an entrenched opposition force that you can't really fight openly... Uh, that made for a really interesting film because yeah. there was at no point really was there an enemy 
sort of there's no, no visible enemy well, in the film except for the bombs. You know, yeah. Um, you never really saw who was planting them or uh, who was going to detonate them. It was all you know that was kind of not the issue. It was this kind of impersonal mechanical thing that's trying to kill everyone. Yep. Um, a bit like uh, Cameron's Terminator films, in that regard. Uh, but what, yeah. what do you mean you can't see enemy in the Terminator films? What? The enemy is quite obvious. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's still a mechanical thing. That's my point. Oh, right, okay. Rather than the human face. But, uh, that was a bit of a weak point. <laughs> I, I grant you that. Um, yeah, the film feels quite long, but not in a bad way. It gets the sense of war just endlessly going over and over, and every day is the same. You know, every day they get up and they've got to go and dispose of a bomb, and it's the same as the day before. And by chance they might get through it and then the next day they've got to go and do it again and yeah. it just goes on and on and there's an extended sequence where there's kind of a standoff between them and this opposition force and rather than being like an action sequence that's over and then they're back to base celebrating you get the sense that it's just hours and hours and hours of stalemate and trying to kind of keep up your concentration and it's, yeah. it's kind of like a stamina thing I yeah. So, so looking back at some of the BAFTA awards then which it won um, best film well I think we sort of said yeah it's, it's a really good film it's definitely worth watching I would say even if you're not into war films it's worth watching mm. um, Catherine Bigelow was, was she worthy then did she really really do that good a job of best director do you think well I think it all holds together really well because like I say it's the kind of film that could actually turn into quite a, a dull drawn out boring film or because it's all about that tension and getting those little moments absolutely spot on because uh, for quite extended parts of the film, nothing really happens. You know, it'd be a guy looking at some wires <laughs> or delving about it, in a but car. It didn't feel and like kind of nothing stuff. was happening, though. No, exactly. Yeah, so. it's, uh, it's, the, it's the number of sort of layers that she put into it yep. uh, made it really interesting. In terms yeah. of um, kind of the sidestep, because I think it got um, did it get best screenplay? Yeah, yeah, and uh, the dialogue was superb. But a sidestep, I thought it made which it shouldn't have was there's this towards the end of the film it kind of gets more slightly more surreal as it goes along it's almost like it's all getting so intense what they're doing that they start to lose their grip a yeah. little bit on what's what's going on um, which in some cases worked really well but I won't spoil that but there's there's another bit where yeah, leave that to me yeah exactly there's a bit when a character goes into town on his kind of like random Rambo mission kind of thing yeah he's having his own personal mission isn't yeah it? And it just didn't feel like it fit into the film for me it felt more like something from like an 80s movie that Bigelow might have directed rather than The Hurt Locker which everything else about it is very much about dispensing with the kind of glamorous gung-ho um, action feeling yeah. of it well maybe that was a studio influence kind of thing in there you never know yeah mm. it, it just didn't quite fit in there no okay um, so it won cinematography as well well I can sort of you know, see why the camera work and the whole cinematography was was, was pretty good but mm-hmm. you know compared to some of the other films it was up against oh, I don't I don't know yeah. But you're more the expert. Well, again, it's hard because they're going for such different styles, and I think what it was going for it did pretty much perfectly. Uh, it had a very real sense of being in there. You kind of felt like you were one of the crew half the time. You know, you, when 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 the guys that were working with Jeremy Renner were getting nervous about his crazy tactics, you were sitting there thinking, "Yeah, I don't want to be here either. <laughs> Let's get out yeah. of here." And that was a lot down to the way it was filmed. I think. Yeah. So overall, then Simon the Hurt Locker, good film. Yeah, uh, good stuff. Um, Possibly because it's been so hyped up now with award shows and everyone going on about how great it is, it, it didn't maybe come across as quite that revolutionary to me. Uh, I thought it was really good, really enjoyed it. Um, best film? I don't know. I, I need to see some of the other nominees that yeah. are going on. I think it's a better all-round film than Avatar. Yeah. But uh, some of the other films, I think, will probably have stronger 
yeah. screenplays. I, I, I think some of the films we've seen over the past year are class as being a better film than that. Mm-hmm. But this is something I was going to pick up: is how, how do you class a best film? Because yeah. my best film uh, would be more likely to have laser swords and <laughs> other spacey kind of things in sort of bikinis and all sorts of stuff in it. <laughs> yeah, which ultimately comes down to the fact that award shows are completely pointless. So there we go. <laughs> so yeah, we spent half an hour talking about them, but in the end, the only opinion that actually matters when you go into a cinema is your own opinion, uh, and obviously ours, because you know that's what determines yep. whether you go to the cinema or not. Yeah, well, I hope it doesn't. <laughs> you, you have your own free will, you do what you want. We're just here to give you our advice. Okay, so yeah, Hurt Locker, yeah, I recommend you see it. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not really the sort of film I normally watch, but I, I quite enjoyed it. But not in a laugh out loud every five minutes kind of way. No. Like and, and maybe don't, don't expect a game changer because I think that's what people are positioning it to be. Whereas in fact, it's just a really good, solid yep. uh, war movie. Kind of like if you like Black Hawk Down, you'll like it. It's kind of Black Hawk Down, but with less unneeded stylistic flourishes. <laughs> it's much more down to earth and doesn't sort of mess yep. about. Okay, so this is going to be around three quarters of an hour's worth of podcast here, so thank yeah. you very much for your time. Getting your money's worth. Yeah, you are indeed. Um, I'd just like to uh, just blatantly plug, once again, our Jack Steele podcast, which is uh, coming to the end of its second series this week. You can find out more details about that at the website jacksteel.itsatrap.co.uk Yeah, where you can find season one and season two, so you can catch up on the whole thing. Well worth a listen. Yep, and once again, our contact details, if you want to contact the show, uh, you can email us on simonandwayne at spiffingreview.com, Twitter us on spiffingreview, or just go to spiffingreview.com, our website, where we'll have all these other details anyway. I think that's nearly it. Yeah. I, I thought there was something else I was going to say. No, I think we're done. No, I've got the Jack still plug in. Anyway, uh, okay, that's yes. it. We shall be back soon with more spiffing reviews, uh, possibly taking a look at some of the new television shows that are cropping up at the minute. Yes, and if there's any TV shows which are cropping up in a minute you'd like us to look at, contact us on the previously mentioned contact yeah. channels. I don't think you need to mention them again, Wayne. <laughs> you sure? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure. Right, um, so until next time, goodbye! Thank you for listening. Bye.